welcome everyone to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kramer Anderson, and I'm joined by David Allen. I hope everybody's doing well out there. Yeah, uh, we are here with another week of news. Uh, we will be talking about uh, quite a few things, uh, like a whole spectrum of news, not just one focus. Uh, we'll be talking about Microsoft uh, celebrating 40 years of Word, I believe, uh, the uh, word processing, most famous word processing productivity suite out there. Uh, we'll be talking about Forza, Forza, I think that's how you say it, Motorsport launching and its launch and how well it's done. Uh, we'll also be talking about uh, Microsoft basically stepping out or taking a pause in the metaverse. Uh, I don't know if you take a pause for something you never really started. Uh, There's the Microsoft Cloud business outperforming in its uh, fiscal year t- uh, 2024, Q1, because uh, their quarterlies uh, run a little bit different than the rest of everyone else's, but they did well. So we'll talk about the details of that. Uh, and there's also a new report suggesting that the new co-pilot icon might be the replacement for Windows icon in Windows 12 going forward and what that means for desktop computing and the rest of us. Uh, and then our main discussion, uh, something we'll be talking a little bit more in depth about, is the Snapdragon Summit uh, 2023. We normally don't pay that much attention to uh, Snapdragon, but they introduced a lot of new things that are going to be big for uh, Windows, actually, uh, and Microsoft PCs going forward. And we'll get into those details. Uh, you want to tell everyone, or you want to start everyone off with our first headline? Yep, I'm going to jump right in there. Microsoft, or, uh, Microsoft is celebrating 40 years of Microsoft Word. And for me, this is a little bit of a nostalgia thing. Um, I started using Microsoft Word when I was seven or eight years old, and I'm 45 years old. And when I got to elementary school, they tried to introduce me to something called ClarisWorks. And I said, (laughs) no, I'm sticking with Microsoft Word because that's what I knew. And what Microsoft has done here is simply amazing. In, in, in my opinion, we have gone from a basic text editor to something that is now AI powered. And that's what Microsoft is saying we're headed. You know, they're, they're looking, they're looking to the past and they're, we're realizing how much we have changed, but on the same token, how little we have changed. Because if you go pull up a copy of Microsoft Word from the late 80s, early 90s. Sure, our ribbon bar has changed a little bit. It's not changed to the significance that you might think. And it kind of is what makes Word to me the cornerstone in the operating system because that's kind of what started the PowerPoint. That's what started the Excel. That's what started the Microsoft publishers for those that remember that piece of software. So in the future, Microsoft is saying, look, we're t- we're still taking your feedback. We're now in an age where we co-create, which is something, you know, 40 years ago, we had never thought would happen. We co-create, we use AI, and Microsoft is saying over the next 40 years, we're going to foster co-creating in AI usage, but still keep the same friendly single user Microsoft Word that everybody's used to. Uh, and I applaud that. I've been using Word for, I don't know, over 20 years now. And like you said, it's evolved. Uh, I've liked the evolution so far. 
uh, it'll be interesting to see how AI plays into this. If we'll even be typing into our or touching our laptops to write anymore, or if it's just a fluid from your head to the screen motion, uh, and you know, because I, I assume it's going to be, uh, you know, you speak it, it writes it, then offers suggestions for editing, and then you speak those suggestions, and it edits those even further. And like I said, you may not necessarily even be typing as often. And uh, if this is, you know, what we'll get into later on in our discussion, something that can be on device as well, you can start talking into your phone as you have a, a, a you know, an engaging thought and have it transferred and, you know, ready for you when you get to your desktop to kind of elaborate even more. I know there are a lot of things that I've lost in translation when I've, you know, been sitting at a conference or sitting thinking to my own thoughts and wanted to get it on paper. And by the time I get to a desktop to write it, what I've originally thought, I thought was a masterpiece is gone and now I'm forced to try mm -hmm. and re rethink that and kind of rebuild it. and it's never the same necessarily so maybe we'll get more of those kind of instances with AI going forward so who knows and even sometimes I find that at least I do sometimes we end up abandoning those thoughts that we thought were so great and, and I'll hang on to that for two or three days I'll be like man what was that because I'm trying to get that vibe back maybe it's something to write about or something to create or something I want to tell people. So if we can get to the point where AI can just help us out with all that, that'd be great. And I mean, and I meant that for publications, not for social media. For social media, take as much time as you need to between what you think and what you say. Because, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. By the time it comes out, it may be irrelevant. It may not even be what needs to be said at the moment. So uh, that's always my stance. Take, take as much time as you can between here and here and what's on the screen. Uh, <laughs> The next thing I have is actually Microsoft abruptly axes metaverse projects, triggering staff layoffs, unfortunately. Uh, and this is not a no laughing matter, so we'll give it the, the due diligence it needs. Uh, Microsoft has discontinued its ambitious foray into the metaverse, uh, opting to shove two key projects, Project uh, AirSim, uh, A-I-R-S-I-M, and Project uh, Bonsai. Uh, the move expected is expected to uh, affect a substantial workforce, uh, which is surprising. Um, because we heard them mention Metaverse last year. Yeah. And we didn't hear much beyond that. It seemed like they came in with the swiftness in January and was like, uh, forget about Metaverse and here's AI. Uh, but for those of you who are still wondering about those projects, Project uh, AirSim is an AI-based aircraft simulation system aimed at uh, industrial applications. So it's expected to be a key component of Microsoft's vision for the industrial Metaverse. And again, this is different than the metaverse that Meta was thinking about. They wanted more of a social media platform. Microsoft have an opportunity to connect businesses uh, in a, you know, I guess it'd be akin to Facebook and LinkedIn uh, for the different uh, initiatives for this. The system was designed to teach individuals how to react to various flight scenarios, uh, but it's been shut down. Uh, and they announced it through a company statement to a business, to Business Insider. Uh, and it unfortunately has resulted in layoffs of the entire team associated with the project. Uh, according to the report from Business Decider, the company is set to pull the plug on Project uh, AirSim uh, effective December 15th of this year, leaving its team members kind of in the lurch. Likewise, Project Bonsai, an AI development platform required through the purchase of AI startup Bonsai uh, in 2018, uh, so they just took the business name and recoded it as the project name, uh, was a crucial component of uh, the broader initiative. However, the recent developments have prompted the company to uh, reassess its priorities uh, and leading to, again, an abrupt discontinuation of that project. It's unfortunate, uh, but like we said, 
it seems like you know as much as ar and vr head, head uh technologies come it's still you know years off whereas ai is something that can be implemented and has been working as early as you know this year for microsoft so i see the business uh, reasons for their departure uh it's unfortunate that, that uh, it comes at the expense of people's jobs totally agree the the, the part with jobs it, it stinks i mean there there's been enough job loss this year we've had several podcasts where we have discussed you know microsoft having layoffs and all of these tech companies but i think the metaverse is a little too soon maybe the metaverse could have done better could have gotten off to a better start if as you mentioned this thing called ai had not kicked in and kind of taken over taken over by storm so where does this leave the metaverse is my question is it something that will just fade away and we will never hear about it again or is it something that is going to come back or are we going to get to a point within the next i don't even necessarily want to give a time frame to where ai and the metaverse meet each other and the metaverse is reborn into a difference some something different yeah i think it's uh, going to be an ex existential struggle for the metaverse uh, especially coming out of the pandemic i don't think people want to be hooped up cornered in their homes uh businesses or you know maybe once some of these commercial license uh i mean these commercial leases are up businesses can relinquish the idea of uh you know uh being in office all the time mm -hmm. uh and they can say hey, you can work from home which would i would assume entice people to invest in the metaverse having a enterprise area where all your employees are engaging uh from their homes could save on you know uh shipping out laptops routinely and all the hardware uh, fixes for that kind of stuff you can say here's your headset you know be at the meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever and you'll have all the things you need software wise within that tool set uh and you know i don't need to pay for a lease anymore but as of right now they're sitting on a ton of those and they're asking people to come back into work they're saying no more for four days no more work from home so and that essentially pulls people from or pulls your potential use users from that pool you know, they're, why would they need the metaverse if they're sitting right next to the person they need to communicate with? There's no reason to give two people the same headset that are working in the same office. So uh, we need to figure that kind of stuff out. We need to settle on where we as a as a, a people sit on working from home or working remotely before we even start to contemplate uh, putting on headsets and working together. Well, I know just, just to put a button on this, there was a story on my local news just yesterday that... Um, I'm in North Carolina to give some folks some bearings and we have companies Red Hat here, we have Cisco here, we have Ubisoft has a major office here, Microsoft has two offices here. And the story yesterday was these companies, they lease out these big buildings with the intentions of putting employees in them. And the local news here put out a list yesterday of all the tech companies here that are just downsizing their properties like crazy because they're embracing the work from home because they were talking about all the new real estate that is now available for rent. Like, for example, I'm not going to give a name, but there was one tech company that had a 10-floor building 
in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the highlight was they're now down to one floor. So the owner of that building says, hey, I've got nine stories for rent if anybody wants it. So as you're saying, we've got to decide where we want to work and how we want to work before we can do anything with a metaverse type of partnership. Agreed. What's our next headline? Well, uh, Forza for you race fans out there, and I will pronounce that um, Z is a T at any point in time, um, is up 300%. One of the biggest launches ever for Forza Motorsports. I believe this is the 11th edition of Forza Motorsport. We had roughly 25,000, the older version, excuse me, I need to read this correctly, had as little as 25,000 playing on the day of release. And when it came out on October 10th, we had roughly 83,000 that jumped on there day one. And this is coming from True Achievements that was able to track this information. It's interesting to me to see this number grow grow so quickly because I'm a sim racer. I'll bring that up and I think as we see the xbox hardware do better the xbox series x we're seeing developers able to embrace the simulation side of racing and cars and competition and it's not so much arcade and i think there's a large group of people out there that are very interested in the simulation side of motorsports So I think this is a good sign for Forza and probably as we get into the next generation of consoles, we're going to see this get larger and larger because sim racing is just going to, without giving you a 30 minute explanation into my background of sim racing, sim racing is getting bigger by the day. Yeah, Forza needs its own movie like Gran Turismo had. You get even more people in. Good idea. Yeah, uh, I might have an inclination on why gaming has been doing better with my next headline, which is Microsoft's cloud business outperforming in the fiscal year 2024 uh, for its Q1 uh, sector. It's about Microsoft's overall uh, earnings report. So it isn't just about cloud, but there's a bit of gaming news in there. Uh, but again, Microsoft's cloud is basically overperformed. Uh, they, they outpaced uh, what the expectations were. The company's earnings uh, land the business uh, sector, which accounted for about 56.5 billion in revenue, and they brought in about 22.3 billion in net income, uh, which are both about 13 and 27 percent increases respectively, uh, when compared year over year. Uh, so that's you know it's huge for them. Uh, diving a bit into the numbers, Microsoft sees its Microsoft Cloud revenue sector increase from bringing in 25.7 billion. Uh, that we leave this time last year to 31.8 billion for the same quarter. Uh, and they're, re- they're re- retaining the same gross margin about 73% while doing that. So, you know, they haven't lost any margins and they've been able to increase what they bring in, which is, you know, always what investors want to see. With those numbers, Microsoft roughly returned about 9.1 billion to shareholders uh, with about 3.6 billion in share purchases and some 5.6 billion in dividends. Uh, which kind of helped uh, skyrocket the company's stock in after-hours trading. Everyone was very pleased to see this. And they were about 5% off from an all-time high uh, just for this quarter alone. And again, this is the quarter going into the holiday season, so we'll see what their holiday season's like. It may be a bit of a downer for that because, again, they're not going to be offering as much hardware 
as we would like to see from them for that particular thing. But again, the cloud it seems to be the only thing that is driving that company forward. Not the only thing, but the major thing that's driving them forward. Um, just to kind of put some things in perspective, uh, aside from taking out big chunks in the cloud service market, investors were also impressed that Microsoft's personal cloud computing showed a 5% increase in Windows OEM licensing growth, uh, which is a signal that PC market has found its new baseline. Uh, for a minute there, for about four to five, maybe even about six quarters, uh, PC sales were at a decline after having substantial growth in the pandemic uh, in the year following. So I think this may be the new baseline. We may have hit, you know, I wouldn't say the bottom, but you know, where we can start to level off and say, all right, this is where uh, PCs can either, you know, continue to, you know, uh, slowly in ink back up as people, you know, uh, people who didn't rush to buy PCs uh, in the last two years start to see that their hardware is aging, uh, or they figured out, you know, manufacturers have figured out a way to maybe shave off some margin while pushing up more product. Either way, the licenses is up for Microsoft. That's all they really care about. Um, the other thing that we have in note is that Google and Microsoft's ad revenue, uh, advertising revenue, both increased. Uh, Google's went up about, I believe, 11% uh, over the year, and Microsoft was up about 9.5% uh, or 10%. Uh, so again, their clouds are doing great. Google's cloud, unfortunately, they're, I believe that their uh, stocks uh, took a hit because they didn't meet expectations despite you know having it having it go up microsoft beat expectations because again everyone's expecting the number two player in the market behind aws to have start to hit saturation which neither company has so aws google and microsoft are still growing the cloud uh it's just two of them are growing faster than the third one which is google now the other thing i wanted to mention to you as far as the gaming thing was concerned was that uh, xbox hard hardware revenue declined by seven percent but the services increased uh, about 13%. So Microsoft's been able to, you know, get more people to buy or purchase things on Game Pass, I mean, uh, digitally. And Game Pass has, I think, uh, at least as far as consoles is concerned, it's it's uh, kind of flatlined a little bit. I think uh, Phil Spencer has mentioned that. But as far as PC is concerned, they're actually seeing an increase in this. So, uh, and I think, you know, Phil's happy to see an increase in PCs because that just means uh, despite uh, what console sales are, they're still finding an audience, which again, uh, they've never been the leader in consoles really. So this is always a good place for them to jump off to. What do you think? Well, I think it's kind of based upon how we have seen gaming. I don't remember what what the percentage was. You said PCs had gone up, what was it? 13% or something like that? 13%, yep. Um I think the reason you're seeing that laptops in general have gone through a change desktops in general are still in a way what they've always been throw the biggest thing in there you've got the most power in the desktop put it on your desk hook your stuff up play your titles and have fun but we're seeing that laptops are, are becoming more dual purpose now than they've ever been it used to be you had your thin and light or your travel laptop that you did things like the podcast here on for example or you wrote your letters or you know whatever you needed to do for your daily productivity then you had to have that second machine sitting over there if you wanted to game on the go or a game in the living room well now that's gotten better because of machines like the asus g14 the lenovo legion slim 514 that just came out you're seeing that intel even though we're about to talk 
not so great about Intel here in just a minute. The machines are getting better. They're getting more efficient to where you can sit down in the living room and maybe get three or four hours of battery life even out of that machine with a dedicated GPU. And then you can go plug it in and enjoy your gaming and your cloud gaming and only have to have that one machine. So I think we're seeing that customers are becoming more dual purpose with their purchases and with their, you know, how they're spending their money. And you take cloud gaming, for example, just plain streaming from the cloud, any PC with a 1080p screen and a web browser and a Bluetooth or USB port for your controller can play. So that factors into some of that percentage going up. And I think you're going to see that go even higher. You mentioned that no cloud has reached saturation yet. I think that's going to be a while. I mean, yeah. I do. I think that's going to be a while. Uh, at, and just to put, you know, kind of a period on this is just a, an idea of mine running around in my head that I think the uh, accessibility to software has uh, lowered the entry to hardware for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of people who are streamers now who couldn't have been streamers before uh, and they didn't have the investment. You had to, you know, if you had an upfront investment of, you know, potentially three to five thousand dollars to put into a rig that meant you were also buying software specialized software that like do streaming things like that that market was much smaller now that some of these streaming uh softwares are free it can be applied to a laptop i think people are just realizing like hey i can also game i don't need to have a separate content creation machine plus my like work pc slash you know everything else pc i can do them both in one and i don't need you know i can just pay for the one device or whatever uh, and the software that I need for it works on this device, you know, because you said they're becoming more per, uh, perf, uh, perf, performant and uh, with the GPUs that are in there uh, for the prices, it just makes more sense to, you know, use that one device, especially if you're on the go, if you're creating content on the go and things like that. So as the pool of content creators grows uh, and their accessibility to software grows, their demands for two separate machines, I believe, are starting to converge where they say, I just need the one machine. I just need that one machine with me at all times. And while I have it, let me hook up you know, a Bluetooth controller to it real quick and play some games as well, because I have that power of performance in this one device versus dedicating it and isolating it to just one box in one room. And that is, you know, I, I hate to bring the pandemic up in any type of positive light, but the pandemic, in my opinion, is really what kick-started part of what we're seeing here because we were sitting at home, churning out content, looking things to do, looking revenue sources, and companies, OEMs, and software developers have now that the pandemic has moved on, have really turned this into something. And I think, I think we're going to, I don't have one right here next to me, but I think we're going to get to the point where you've got your thin and light two pound laptop that has some sort of GPU in it. And that's where we're getting ready to go here with our main discussion. But I think we're closer to that than what people think. Yeah, and uh, maybe Apple might have something to say about that next week uh, with their uh, new announcement. We'll, we'll tease that in a second. Uh, the last headline, so we can get into the discussion, stop teasing you guys is that a new report suggests that Copilot may replace the iconic start button in the rumored Windows 12. Uh, according Ooh. to PC World, I know, 
According to PC World, Copilot AI could even replace the iconic start button. Notably, the future of Windows is set to be revolutionized through the integration of AI. We've talked about this, uh, especially with uh, Windows 12 on the horizon. Uh, Sachin Adele, the CEO of Microsoft, has uh, likened the AI-powered Windows Copilot to uh, the pivotal function of the start button in the current Windows uh, version. The revelation came during discussion Nadella had with Qualcomm CEO Cristiano Cristiano uh, Amon. Amon, uh, focusing on the collaboration between the two companies to optimize integration of Windows on ARM-powered PCs and the leveraging of neural processing units, which is going to be a big thing, uh, in modern computing. Nadella highlighted uh, the significance of AI as the cornerstone of the future uh, computing experience. The Copilot expected to play a central role. The Copilot is like, quote, the Copilot is like the start button. He explained. It becomes the orchestrator of all your app experiences. So for so, for example, I just go there and express my intent, and it either navigates me to an application or it brings the application to the copilot. So it helps me learn, query, and create. It completely changes, I think, the user's habits. That is in quote. Um, what do you think about getting rid of the start menu? Because I know it's been contentious since Windows 8, and I feel like Microsoft's been trying to get rid of the start menu since Windows 8 and replacing it with this new user behavior with Copilot. Not, not sure I'm a fan because <laughs> when Microsoft, you know, when, when Microsoft tried it the first time, we see how that turned out. And we saw companies like one of my favorites out there, Stardock, you know, that's, they started coming out with, you know, separate software to put your start menu back. And we are creatures of habit. We have gotten used to there being some kind of start menu or something that resembles a start menu, even though we may not call it that anymore, on our PCs. And Microsoft is making an assumption here, too, that I think consumers are going to adopt AI. You know, and, and they may use Windows to make that assumption, like they did with Windows 8 when they thought we were ready to adapt touch screens, we weren't there yet. And if Microsoft comes out and says, look at your new quote start menu for Windows 12, it's AI based, but it's not the same as what you used in Windows 11 or Windows 10. I think we're going to have some upset people. I really do. And you know, I don't want a repeat of Windows 8. So if Microsoft, if you're listening, if you're going to do this, fine. I understand that we're going to go to a place where AI is, but give me a way to click a button and get my start menu back. Don't force me to make a move because you think I need it. And that's where you want technology to go. Let me make the choice. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, there are going to be people who are going to complain. I think there are people who complain no matter what you uh, do or change in Windows. Uh, everyone has their preferred preferences. My question is, does Mac OS have a start menu? They just have the Finder, right? True. Yep, you're right. And they pin everything to the taskbar or whatever, the dock, yeah. And each... The all right, okay. the Finder is kind of like in Windows 12. When we go click on the window in the bottom corner, it comes up, and we do have the search there at the top. To me, that is the Microsoft Finder equivalent. 
but you are correct, you know, in that Microsoft, we, we don't have the start menu anymore where if you're looking at EA game, you go start programs, EA, and then it, you know, spins out to and then you click your program. Me personally, I click the Windows icon at the bottom. I type in what I'm looking in the search and then click accordingly. So I guess somebody could say, well, David, you're already using the AI concept. And I understand that. I understand that. But don't force me to do it until I'm ready to do it. No, no. I, I, like I said, I, I think this should always be back. I mean, it's Windows. There's got to be backwards compatibility no matter what. Uh, and that's how they save face with that. Uh, so there should be, uh, you know, an all apps drawer that, you know, your people are accustomed to. Uh, something that they can customize. Uh, but I do, like you, I go to the search function now, or I go to the start button either way, but I've never really dug into making folders or organizing that start menu page that we have for Windows 11. My interactions are start typing, and then I get suggestions on you know what it is I'm looking for that incorpor incorporates web, docs, files, and all the other things. And I can just you know select accordingly. And I think Copilot, maybe a bit of that. I, I think, you know, once it'll be, you know, a search area, maybe it appears on you know, where the action pane is currently, where they're putting uh, Copilot now, or it just becomes, you know, a nebulous search bar that you start typing into and you get all these suggestions. But I think that's no. how most people are going to interact. I'm okay. And, and I, I'm not a, well, I'm not a big time software developer, but I would be okay with something like you click on the Windows icon and you get a concept of AI built into the current way of, as you said, we type in what we're looking for. If AI is built in right there, instead of the AI, the copilot icon that we now have in the start bar that basically launches a PWA type window in the right hand side where you're basically just accessing a, a website to type in what you want to to copilot if they would if they truly build it into windows when i click the windows icon and it comes up and i start searching i can start searching anything i want or ask ai a question right there and get that response right there then now you have my attention you know because you've given you've given me a taskbar that basically becomes a three in one. I can search, I can launch my program software documents, et cetera, or I can get an AI question answered right there in the search bar. Don't make me wait for the browser to open and get to bang and have to, you know, manipulate the browser window. Give me my answer and my ability to react to that answer right there. Three in one Microsoft. Make the search bar three in one. You can do that. Come on. And you know who's going to help him do that? What's that? Snapdragon, Qualcomm. And yes. As part of our final discussion, uh, we are about to get into uh, how Qualcomm is going to help Microsoft do on-device AI, so to speak. And that speaks to exactly what you're saying versus uh, sending a, a query into the cloud and having it kind of push it back down through a PWA uh, with a new, I think it's Snapdragon X Elite uh, processor. Uh, this is something that they announced uh, during the Snapdragon Summit 2023. They went over actually a myriad of processors. Uh, they have the new S7, 
uh, an S7 Pro, which are audio uh, chipsets uh, that'll help kind of combine, uh, you know, pairing of devices or whatever, or whatnot through what they call Snapdragon Seamless, which is a, another platform that, again, is intended to help connect Android phones, Android devices, other things that we kind of connect through Bluetooth, uh, uh, LE or whatever, things like that all through this same platform. Then they announced Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, uh, which is the follow-up to the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, which has been uh, a monstrous for most devices now. Uh, I think uh, OnePlus has had it in their fold and it's doing spectacular. Samsung famously uh, introduced it last year with the S23, or this year, I guess, the S23, and these devices have been uh, some of the best ones that Samsung, Samsung has produced as far as uh, performance battery life, uh, heat dis dissipation and whatnot, uh, game performances, like they've just stepped it up another level. So here's the predecessor to that. Uh, I mean, the yeah, successor to that. Uh, but what we're gonna really kind of focus into uh, is the X, uh, X Elite, which is what Qualcomm is claiming the M1 for Windows PCs. Um, just some quick specs, uh, it comes with a Qualcomm, Orion CPU, which is a 64-bit architecture, which uh, offers 12 cores and up to 3.8 gigahertz speed, uh, single and dual core boost up to 4.3 gigahertz speed. Uh, it's supposed to be uh, have its own Qualcomm Adreno GPU, which is up to 4.6 uh, teraflops of performance, uh, and API support for DirectX 12, which is uh, kind of famously what Microsoft uses. They also, I think this is the, the kicker though, it has NPUs for Qualcomm Hexagon NPU uh, and uh, TOPs of 45 uh, TOPs and a micro NPU for dual micro uh, NPU uh, sensing hub, essentially for all of the uh, sensor inputs for the device. Uh, it'll have a memory type of uh, LPDDR5X uh, LP and transfer rates of uh, 8533 uh, and a capacity of up to 64 gigabytes as far as memory is concerned. So again, these are pretty powerful, you know, we're associated with mobile chips going into PCs. Beyond any of this, this is our architecture. So uh, we're expecting to see, you know, fanless designs, much thinner uh, uh, chassis for Windows laptops going forward. Uh, there's going to be a VPU, which is a video processing unit, uh, and that'll help encode uh, uh, H.264. Uh, there's also going to be a display processing unit, uh, which again, this is going to be uh, on-device display resolutions support uh, for up to, I think it's a UHD 120 uh, and HDR10. Uh, again, big uh, thing for that. Uh, external display resolutions of DP uh, versions 1.4 through uh, 3. And again, UHD 60, HDR 10, uh, and be able to power two 5K uh, displays at 60 uh, frames uh, per second. Uh, there's also going to be a camera processing unit. Uh, again, this is going to probably bring better webcams or allow uh, manufacturers to put in better webcams uh, to keep up with, you know, our phones, so to speak. You know, there's no reason why uh, we have to go from uh, 4K 60 frames per second on our phones down to five megapixel webcams. Uh, so uh, these ones will be able to video capture at 4K HDR, uh, single camera usage, uh, again, up to 64 megapixels if somebody wants to put that in there. And then there's gonna be a general audio uh, technology, which is Qualcomm uh, Acoustic, A-Q-S-T-I-C, however you pronounce that, technology. Uh, and again, because this is Qualcomm, we're gonna have cellular modems in there. 
uh, Snapdragon X65G 5G modems uh, with a peak download speed of 10 gigabytes uh, and a peak upload speed of 3.5 gigabytes. Uh, and then Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, some tweaks in there and in that processor as well. But like I said, beyond anything, it's a 12 core CPU clocked at 3.8 gigahertz. Uh, and again, they were showing during the summit uh, some performance things uh, as far as I think DaVinci Resolve was the big thing that caught my eye. Uh, before I get into that, though, what are your thoughts on Qualcomm giving Microsoft the added boost to kind of compete with the M2, Apple's M2? And I'll keep I'll keep this as brief as possible. Finally, we're <laughs> you, 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 you know, for me, this is finally and, and I'm looking at it from a consumer point of view, as well as we have had the luxury of reviewing products for the last year and a half, two years. And we have seen all grades of AMD chips come through. We have seen all grades of Intel chips come through. And the the one that I'm the most happy with, and I have mentioned it up before, is the Robo Color ARM-based tablet that sits right behind me. And the reason being is exactly what you bring up. Is it the most powerful thing? No, but what you what you bring up here is probably, you know, a hundred times more powerful than what I have. But what what it shows is, one, it's fanless, it's got a good screen, it's portable, portable, it's powerful for what it is. And when we look at some of the AMD and Intel-based machines that we review, they're portable. But we have to remember. Lenovo, HP, Dell, etc., can only build machines with what they are provided with from the OEMs. I saw something on a another publication yesterday that HP, Dell are already planning their PCs for next year with the you know these SOCs. I can't wait to get my hands on one because we see what the M series has done with for Apple. We can't deny that those are very powerful, very efficient machines. We've yet to see them game. You know, Apple kind of sticks to the content creation side of things. I'm interested to see one get in a PC where people game, people create content, people do podcasts, people, you know, do Excel documents. Can, it goes back to one of the headlines I had. Can we buy one machine that is efficient and powerful and can play Starfield when I want it to and still be somewhat efficient, but can still give me 10 hours of battery life, of real battery life, folks, when I want to create a document? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's where we're headed. I don't think this first generation is going to get us all the way there, just like it didn't for Apple. But I will add one kink into what you said. This is putting the capabilities of AI on the chip. Now, yes, that was the other biggest sell. Uh, there's one is... company. I'm sorry. There, no, there's okay. one company that has not done anything with AI yet. They use the Qualcomm architecture to start the M1s. 
So is Apple kind of watching in the background going, okay, you know, Qualcomm has given us AI on a chip. The iPhone, what model are we at? 15, 15. 16, 17. The next one next year, look, we have AI on the device. Thank you, call Qualcomm, because that's kind of the way Apple has done things. So is this Apple's entry into AI on the device in the next iPhone or even the next iPhone? Yeah, just to wrap up a couple of the specs, we have Wi-Fi 7 as well as coming with these chips and Bluetooth okay. 5.4. So they should keep everything very snappy. Uh, to your point, though, into uh, our broader discussion, uh, again, we were trying to figure out how Copilot works uh, on Windows and, you know, Windows 12 is supposed to be mostly AI driven. Uh, this may be what we are about to see. Uh, I had spoken, I think, on Twitter, I'd mentioned to Daniel Rubino that because uh, he was at the summit uh, that I believe that this may be the reason why we didn't get an upgrade to the Surface Pro or the Surface Laptop because they are working with Qualcomm to create perhaps thinner chassis to ha start having, or at least versions of this. I think they still have an Intel one because Intel still makes very good chips, uh, not to downplay anything they're doing, but they are going to be getting pressure from in, uh, NVIDIA, they're getting pressure from Qualcomm, they're getting pressure from the M2s, like they're getting pressure from all around. Uh, Microsoft may, instead of going with uh, AMD, may start making lighter versions of the laptop with you know a different design chassis. Uh, the same thing for the Surface Pro. Uh, with the Windows on Windows on ARM versions of these coming out, uh, and again, Copilot currently, as it works now, goes to the web and it takes forever to kind of bring back down a response. If you've ever tried Copilot so far, if you've been fortunate enough, a Windows 11, uh, it is a very slow process. It's promising because of what it can do, but Microsoft also sold us a, a Copilot that was device driven. Like there were things on your device that Copilot was supposed to help you with, not grab you know recipes from the web and then present it on your desktop screen that's kind of what copilot is doing right now not what they told us about it you know if it were how do i get to you know i want you to uh dim the lights on my or dim the screen on my on my uh pc while also sending me into uh focus mode it's supposed to be something that's supposed to be able to do and to our point of you know how do you change the start menu if it's able to do on-device things as quickly as possible, that is how you sell it to people. If they don't have to think about it, they don't have. To, there's no obstruction layer between what I want to do and what I've always been doing. The, the way I've been doing. If this new way is faster, people will adopt these kind of things. But if it's a different way of doing the same thing, people will say, "No, I want to. I want to do the thing I'm accustomed to." And these new chips are supposed to help them do that. Uh, they really go into the on-device stuff at the summit. We're only briefly talking about it. You can go see our write-up. You can actually go see the summit itself. That's a two-day thing. Uh, they brought a lot about inf information about the uh, what's going to be for mobile, to your point of Apple's iPhone, maybe 16 or 17, having it on device uh, for two different reasons. One for uh, security reasons, and, it's, and the second one for resources, uh, I suppose, and, and expediency. So again, if it's on device, it's more secure, it's faster, it's easier for people to kind of manage. Uh, and the same thing is going to be for laptops coming out in the future uh, for the HPs, the Dells, things like that. Uh, I think it's uh, their chips are also supporting Microsoft's, uh, what is that new security protocol that they use? The TP, TPM. Yeah, they're in support of that. But there's another one, I forget what it starts at. Uh, there's, a, there's like a security protocol that Microsoft uses as well for uh, uh, on the 
data on device or whatever, and it supports that. So it seems like a win all around. We'll have to obviously get our hands on these devices next year, but this is a huge step. Uh, now it's really going to be on Microsoft and the transition layer to keep up with this. Next year, maybe this year has been big. We've had AI that has kind of really drove the entire year. You know, we're about to be in November, folks, believe it or not. And AI started, we started hearing the rumblings in early January. And by February, we were using something. You know, it, we didn't have this thing called Copilot yet. It was still in the works. But by February, we were using something, or at least I was, you know, typing into some language learning model, getting an idea of the wow that this thing could give me. And I think next year is going to be the year that we take the next leap forward and we start putting all of this together. The efficiency, the power of computing, whether it's in your hand, whether it's on your desk or whether it's in your bag. And we take the next leap forward. But this time, the consumers are going to be taking the ride with us. The consumers haven't haven't taken the AI ride yet. I see AI being used in a lot of products that I use professionally. Yes, I use AI every day, but consumers haven't taken the ride. Consumers are about to get a pretty good ride because we talked about it last week. It was what, 400 billion Windows licenses or something like that. What was that number versus what was it? A hundred million? Uh, it's four, 400 million uh, licenses. And I think it was a hundred million for, uh, for, for Apple. Yeah. So, so, so we've got a hundred million people. Let, let's, let's just use that number. We've got a hundred million people that have had, you know, or had, or might get an M1 experience versus the larger number of consumers that are about to get the M1 style experience with this new Qualcomm chip and AI. So I think next year we start to see the consumer ride and see what AI is going to do. And for these companies, it's great, but they better be a little nervous because just like we just mentioned, will consumers buy in? You know, Microsoft, as I mentioned earlier, thought consumers were ready for touch screens at Windows 8. That was a disaster. So I'm hoping that these companies haven't invested too soon, assuming consumers are ready and we have to come back and kind of replay this tune in 2025, 2026, 2027, and we play this tune in a different way because we replayed the touchscreen tune and we got these things called iPads and like the Lenovo tablets that I have over here and the Surface devices. So we're going to see. It's going to be an interesting next couple years, I think. And I think it's good because the last four or five have been, we've talked about it, spec bumps, spec bumps, move on. So now we're finally seeing something change. Are consumers ready? Uh, hopefully. Uh, that's the end of this discussion. I just want to give us uh, an edit, uh, edit note. Uh, that was 100 million all-time users for Mac OS, okay. 400 million for just this variant of uh, Windows 11. So 
the overall number is still in the billions for, for Windows. So potentially, if you've upgraded from Windows uh, 10 to 11, you're on course to get Windows 12 and try this out. If you are just part of the giant pool of Windows users who are still using Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 10, you will also be looking forward to that. Uh, and like I said, it was the all-time number for all Mac users since uh, the Mac started. So a small percentage of you who are using the M2 uh, could look across the pond and say, hey, what are those guys over there doing? So just want to make sure we got those correct because then people are going to write in like, hey, there are way more Windows users. Uh, with that being said, uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, do you want to give people a brief in look into the hardware section or we'll just save that for another day? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I've got a few things on the horizon here. I've got the Lenovo Tab Extreme that came in this week that looks interesting. Um, I've got a consumer-friendly priced gaming monitor coming in from Lenovo that has perked my interest for those people that uh, want some high resolution, high refresh rate gaming that maybe, as we mentioned earlier in the pod, don't have the three and four thousand dollar pc or laptop sitting on the desk so i've got those coming and i just hooked up yesterday the mass storage unit from synology so you're going to for those system admins out there you're going to start seeing how to back up your office 365 and see some of those tutorials come out so we'll see where this leads us if you want to see something out of these Synology NAS units, if you're a watcher that knows anything about those, they have a wide range of capabilities. If there's something you want to see, drop it in the comments. I'll be glad to produce it for you. Yeah, um, I still have the, the usual laptop stuff coming up. I got some ThinkPads to write about, but my thing yep. I'm most enamored with is this 4K motion tracking webcam that I've been given. Uh, it is a beast. This thing is awesome. Comes with this remote. Comes with its own software. It is amazing and i think this may be the future of webcams uh i'll get into some more details with the maybe next week and before the uh final review comes out i'll give you like i said i'll talk more about it but uh i am super impressed with this webcam uh and like i said this will have saved me money from having to go buy a dedicated dslr so uh that being said where can people find you david paj 1978 i'm still calling it twitter we're gonna call it twitter one more week and I promise, I'm going to make you guys a promise. I will be on Threads next week. I will get over there, and I will get off of Twitter, and I will join my buddy Kareem here over there on Threads next week. Well, while I'm waiting for him for next week, uh, you can also find me at uh, Mindhead1 on Twitter, uh, Kareem Anderson on Threads. Uh, we want to thank you guys for you know spending some time with us. We hope you have a great weekend, uh, and we will see you next week for another round of news. You got it.